Welcome back to the Same 24 Hours podcast. Today's recording is from the daily community meetup we had today on Friday, March 20th. Today's special guest was my friend, Bonnie Clark, who is an author and a mom, and she's just absolutely fantastic. You don't want to miss her story. And also Thomas DeShooter. I had him on the podcast a few episodes back, and he's the founder of Bloom Living Strategies, and he has the Bloom Living podcast. He's going to talk to us today about money during this time. So I hope you all get an opportunity to listen to today's um, meetup. It was fantastic. And I hope that you will find the time to join us one of these days. We are going to continue to do them. Swimbikemom.com forward slash meet, M-E-E-T. And you can join us live at noon Eastern time during the weekday. I think we'll keep that time and then we may do some on the weekends. But regardless, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. So we are now recording. So welcome everyone. This is the fifth community meetup and it has been really awesome. So I appreciate everyone that's joined so far this week and um, who's listening on the podcast and also I think it's really helping everyone feel connected. I know it's helping me. (laughs) So if anything, thanks for your donation of time to make me feel good. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to, I was reading the Daily Stoic this morning and it was like, and I was texting a couple of my friends because it was so timely and these, oh, I can't show things. Look at that. Hold on. There we go. (laughs) I might have to change my background. But anyway, these, you know, they come with a daily meditation and it was so timely today. It was, it was crazy. So I wanted to read, um, this today's daily stoic ready and at home. And this is Seneca in moral letters 67.4. I may wish to be free from torture but if the time comes for me to endure it, I'll wish to bear it courageously with bravery and honor. Wouldn't I prefer not to fall into war? But if war does befall me, I'll wish to carry nobly the wounds, starvation, and other necessities of war. Neither am I so crazy as to desire illness, but if I must suffer illness, I'll wish to do, I'll wish to do nothing rash or dishonorable. The point is, not to wish for these adversities, but for the virtue that makes adversities bearable. I was like, whoa. And then it goes on to say, we'd be crazy to want to face difficulty in life, but we'd be equally crazy to pretend that it isn't going to happen. Which is why when it knocks on our door, as it very well may this morning, let's make sure we're prepared to answer. Not the way we are when a surprise visitor comes late at night, but the way we are when we're waiting for an important guest, dressed and in the right headspace, ready to go. 
So I love that. I love that. So I like to open these meetings with just a minute or two or four of meditation, grounding, just a place because many of us still, now that we're at home, some of us, some of us are still at work, but we're, none of us are stopping. <laughs> I feel like it's crazier now than ever. Um, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, I created a new Instagram today <laughs> called um, Home Office Report Card, just because I thought it would be something funny to do. So go check that out if you are working from home. It's just meant to be humorous. But, you know, it feels hard to find even a moment to ground ourselves, even even at home. So that's what I was hoping we could do. And Thomas is just an incredibly calm and grounded and meditative person. And we're going to hear from him after we hear from Bonnie today, but I thought he could lead us in a grounding meditation. So you are unmuted if you'd like to do that. Mm. Uh, thank you, Meredith. And uh, thank you all of you beautiful souls for uh, showing up today. I've got, uh, I've got the full array of everybody in front of me. So it's, um, it's fantastic. And uh, so I thought I would do something this morning when Meredith had sent me uh, the email suggesting or inviting me to for this opportunity. I thought I would combine sort of a meditation and prayer experience at the same time so that, uh, you know, I'm not expecting everybody to go into some deep, deep meditation for two minutes and then pull you out. It's more of uh, how can we just have a conscious awareness right now and just get ourselves focused uh, so that we can share a beautiful experience together. So I just invite you all to, if you're comfortable, just close your eyes for a moment. And uh, when you're ready, just take a nice deep breath in. Let that go. And now let's do a second one. I invite you to breathe into your belly. And let that go. And just, I'll invite you to allow my words to be your words in this moment. And if you can, just try to focus your attention on the middle of your forehead, right between your eyebrows. And just relax into this moment. And let's just take a moment to be grateful. To be grateful for this opportunity right here in front of us. To build community. To share awareness. and to lean on one another. And while we're here, let's take a moment to find something that we can forgive. Either something about ourselves or a situation or another person. And let's just allow ourselves to let that go, to bring forgiveness into this moment.
I think if we all look really hard, we can see that everybody's doing their best. We know where we're at, we know we're doing our best and we can't know what somebody else's experience truly is. We do have the great fortune of all knowing that we are one, we are connected, we are one living energy. You are the you in universe. And so we take our forgiveness, we let that go. We thank ourselves for this opportunity to clear something, to let it pass. knowing that when we do that, we create new possibility. We create an opening for something good to show up in our lives. I'd like to finish that off with one nice deep breath in and let it go. And I'll invite us for one more, and this time, really let it go. <sighs> Thank you for joining me on this, and I invite you to have an amazing day. Namaste. Thank you, Thomas. I should have unmuted us all for that last let out. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Thank you. Oh, that was good. I'm going to, he needs to be on here every day. <laughs> that was great. That was great. So um, I saw a quote this morning too from Anthony DeMello that said, the cause of my irritation is not in this other person, but in me. And I thought that was, I was like, well, no, that's not true. This other person is irritating. But you know, with what Thomas just said about forgiveness, um, you know, a lot of times we have to forgive other people, but forgiving ourselves too is also a big one. So thank you so much for that. Um, I wanted to invite my good friend, Bonnie Clark on to, to be our first special guest today. So Bonnie and I go way back um, to the days of Olympic weightlifting and we've had strangely parallel lives in a lot of odd and wonderful ways, but she has a great story. She has her first children's book coming out in just a few short weeks on April 7th, I believe. And um, I, just, I wanted her to be able to come share and because she has a great story. So welcome, Bonnie. Thank you so much. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, great. Thomas, I needed that so bad. I am a writer, not a speaker yet. I'm working on that. So I just, I needed that meditation. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to share my story and hopefully some encouragement. Thank you, Meredith. I will start in Savannah where we met. Um, we were on the same weightlifting team. That's where I'm from. And I grew up there, a preacher's kid, uh, class president, pretty um, squeaky clean. 
but I moved to Atlanta to go to Georgia Tech and get a business degree. And um, into my freshman year, I met my now husband, Keenan. Uh, let me back up and say I have three kids. We have three kids, ages eight, nine, and 10. And my husband is my best friend, the best man I know on this earth. Um, but then it started out a little rocky. So when I met Keenan, he was a um, dancer in Atlanta, and I do not mean the fine arts. So um, it was an interesting situation because his mother was so ecstatic for me to be in his life. My mother was devastated, and so sorry, Mom. That was an um, interesting thing. So sure enough, instead of me pulling him up, he pulled me down, and for the next couple years, we led a pretty destructive lifestyle, um, lots of drugs and alcohol. Um, one of our first dates, I ended up ODing in the emergency room of Kennestone Hospital. Um, I would have another, another overdose in the basement of his parents' house, and I ended up flunking out of Georgia Tech because I just didn't go. Um, once again, my mom was super proud of me. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was rough, needless to say, skipping a bunch of stories there. Um, eventually, though, partly because we both have praying mamas, we got back on the right track and we started making better life choices. Um, I, I always say it was God calling us back to him. So eventually we sort of, we were turning our lives around and, and making good choices. Um, I actually wrote a letter to Georgia Tech asking to let me back in. And for some reason they did. And I graduated with a business degree from Georgia Tech. Um, Keenan quit his night job and he enrolled in hair school, which is the family business. And so he owns a salon and spa. And um, so we're, we're doing much, much better. I'm looking down at notes, by the way, to make sure I'm catching all, getting all of this. Um, better. I, <laughs> I, I should have known that was a clue that I should have been a writer when I got back in with a persuasive letter. But I, anyway, I got a business degree. <laughs> That's how I got into law school with a letter because I didn't have the grades. Yeah. Isn't that funny? We should have taken the hint. It's all, all for a reason, right? Um, so we were doing, so, you know, dating and doing great and together and engaged, and, but we held on to alcohol. We continued drinking alcohol because we felt very entitled to it because given all the stuff that we'd given up, it was like, this is okay with society. So we hung on to this last drug. Um, very strongly, but it was getting way out of hand. I mean, we were drinking way too much every day and um, hiding it from each other, and we were just in a really bad space. Um, we got married in 2003, and I quickly spiraled into debilitating panic attacks and anxiety um, and deep, dark depression, and my poor newlywed husband did not know what to do with me and um, was quite caught off guard. So I, I have to say two things that are relevant later in the story. I had my first panic attack in a car. Um, and I also lost my maternal grandmother that year. So these are just two events, you know, that were happening. So I, I actually went to a counselor. I started working on some stuff that I needed to work on. Um, she suggested that I get on some medication because of my depression. And so I did. And it helped. Um, and so things got better as I worked through all the things I needed to work through. And eventually I actually got off the medication even. Um, so then we decided to start trying to have a family. We tried for 18 months to get pregnant, which sounds like a lot of fun, but it's not when you're um, under that sort of pressure. <laughs> so we, with the help of modern medicine, finally conceived our first child. Um, 
And I did stay sober that whole time I was pregnant, thankfully. But when he was born, started drinking again, started drinking heavy, strong, and I would pump and dump, which maybe you moms have heard of. Um, <laughs> In the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was back. And of course, you know, my anxiety was, was bad. Um, the rock bottom that I hit was I drove drunk with my one-year-old in the backseat of the car. And um, of course, that's hard to talk about. Um, and there were other things. So anyway, fast forward, my husband and I had a come to Jesus meeting and we said, we can't do this anymore. We cannot, we can't moderate. We can't, we just have to cut it out of our lives. And we did. And it was one of the best decisions that we've ever made. And we um, were sober nine years, wonderful, wonderful nine years. So skipping ahead, um, I, oh, and I will say during that nine years, I had convinced myself that I had some sort of agreement. Like as long as I didn't drink, I wasn't going to have panic attacks. And, and I had convinced myself and it seemed to be playing out for me and working out for me. So um, then I ended up having two more kids. So we have three kids and I am stay-at-home mom, um, making bread and homeschooling and doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, um, my anxiety came back. I mean, just hard. And it was, it just really caught me off guard because here I was sober. Like, where is this coming from? Um, it came back in a car and I lost my paternal grandmother. So it's just this weird, the mind remembers and especially panic. They remember the things that you had gone through. So, but this was really difficult because now I have three kids that depend on me. It's not just me. And I was staying at home with them and um, I couldn't leave the house. I was terrified to get in the car. I would get in the car and drive to the end of the driveway and back or the end of the street and back. And here I am trying to take care of three kids. I felt like I was vibrating at all times. It's a panic attack and anxiety to that degree is really hard to explain if you actually haven't experienced that, but it was bad. Anyway, I actually hit the ground running this time. I wasn't playing around. I got back on my medication. I went back to a counselor. I went to a hypnotherapist. I did yoga. I did meditation. I told all my friends, no shame, like Brene Brown. I mean, I just said, I'm, I got to attack this, right? So I did, and, um, and things got much better. Um, I even did this crazy thing and put my kids on the scary yellow school bus. <laughs> public school and said bye-bye oh <laughs> and that was a big it was the greatest thing for my mental health and they're yeah, doing well I can imagine so <laughs> <laughs> so um so things were going much better um and then my husband and I were on an anniversary trip and I don't know where this came from I guess we were watching everybody enjoy themselves on the beach we were like hey let's split a drink and it was weird because I, at first I was like, my pride, my ego was like, no, I'm nine years sober and blah, blah, blah. But we did. We split a drink. We enjoyed it. We split another. We, you know, and we decided, okay, we're only going to drink on vacations. That turned into only drink on weekends. That turned to only drink without kids knowing. That turned into weekdays. Hey, kid, bring my drink. I mean, it just, <laughs> it's a slippery slope, my friends. And that's exactly what happened. And um, needless to say, my anxiety went through the roof. I mean, it just got way compounded, you know, my anxiety that I was trying to get under control. Um, then at this point, I, I discovered Dr. Caroline Leaf, um, the book Switch on Your Brain, and it saved my life. I don't know if you've read that book, 
but I flipped over the back cover. It, a friend of mine referred it to me and I love reading and I read the back cover that says, you are not a victim of your DNA. And here I was since the, I had just finally realized the reason that panic came back is because I was just doomed for it, that I was broken. There was a chemical imbalance and it was in my family and it was just going to happen. And I just had, that was just my life. And that was my reality. So for her to suggest that you're not a victim of your DNA was mind blowing to me. And I was very intrigued and I inhaled the book and she talks about detoxing your mind. Flip your, I'm sorry. What was the name of the book? Switch on your brain. Switch on your brain. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm talking fast. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I wanted to make sure I wrote it down. And he said Dr. Yeah. Caroline Leaf. Dr. Okay. Caroline Leaf, yes. So through her book and her 21-day detox plan, I learned lots of things. Um, I learned that you can actually take captive every thought, like it says in scripture, and I learned the science behind neuroplasticity and the fact that we can actually change our minds, you know, with our thoughts. And that that was so helpful to me. I got I learned so much and I felt so powerful again and not a victim. Like I can actually increase my mental health that thoughts actually produce chemicals that change physical matter. So it actually increases your physical health. I mean, this was just an unbelievable concept and I just couldn't get enough of it. I also um, was introduced to Dr. Jerome Lubba, who is local here. He's a functional neurologist. And from him, I learned that yes, you're born with a mental landscape, but you can change your landscape. And um, I learned a simple exercise I, I use with my kids, um, hopeful, grateful, where every morning I either write or say what I'm hopeful for, what I'm grateful for. And my kids do it too. They know we do that every morning. So I was working really hard on my mental health and things were just changing so much for me. I couldn't believe, I was so excited to, to, to learn these concepts because they were foreign to me. Um, so, I decided to come off my medication again, and I did so really slowly. And let me tell you, I'm not against medication. It's not either or. It's both or. It's both an and, as my life coach says. I'm both grateful for the for the help I received, and I'm also grateful that I'm off of it now. But I did it six months. It was very slow under a doctor's care. And anyway, that's another story. And I, I will share real quick though that I shared this book with my mother-in-law, who was on opioids for 11 years. And she is seven months clean of opioids wow. because it's a testament, not to me. I say Jesus and Dr. Lee healed her because <laughs> it really works. We, uh, mental health and the things that are under your control, this, this, um, what she teaches. So anyway, all this time though, in the back of my mind and my heart, I'm still drinking. And like, it was so hard for me because here I am working on my mental health and detoxing my mind and it's working, but I'm adding in toxins essentially every day. Um, and so it was something that I was wrestling with. I learned a, a cool term, cognitive dissonance, um, which is just you're at war with yourself mentally. What you say and what you do don't line up and that is mental ill health. So it was something I was really struggling with, with the alcohol. And so, of course, I went to Google and I looked for someone to tell me I had a tendency or a gene or something wrong with me and someone to tell me I need to quit. Um, <laughs> but it turns out it was much simpler than that. And Meredith, your book would have been helpful earlier <laughs> because really the bottom line for me was, is it nonsense? Yes or no? Right. Yes. Alcohol for me is nonsense. And it's just much simpler than 
someone telling me anything that I needed to quit. So I finally discovered the year I turned 40, because you do a lot of introspective work when you hit a milestone like that. Alcohol does not serve me. It doesn't help me. It makes things worse. I don't like myself when I'm drinking. Maybe the first sip after that downhill. Right. So anyway, um, I finally made um, the decision that I was not going to drink anymore. And it wasn't a rock bottom decision. This time it was much different. This time it was a quiet surrender of I'm not going to have this anymore. So I quit drinking um, for the second time in my life. This time without my husband, which is an interesting story too. He wouldn't be out, choose alcohol free till six months later. But that's a different, that's a different story. Um, so anyway, I'm almost done. My life coach tells me all the time that uh, you don't learn different lessons. You learn the same lessons over and over and go deeper and deeper. And that's definitely been the case in my journey and my story, especially um, with mental health. Um, removing alcohol was certainly a big part of that. But just knowing that I can take control of my mind, I can detox my toxic thought patterns. Um, I have a lot more control with the choices that I make. And so um, here we are faced with, as a society of, with a real legit anxiety inducing situation. And my husband said to me the other day, he's like, wow, you're doing really great. And I said, you know, I am. I, I can't even explain the peace I have right now. And it's not because I'm naive. It's just because I feel like I've trained for this. Like I have cleaned out the mental mess, as Dr. Leaf says, and I've, I've worked on my mental health, I've worked on my physical health, and I am being in my spirit, um, going inward so that I can be filled up to go outward and help. And so I, I'm not feeling the anxiety like I would have years ago. Um, so I, I wanted to share real quick, I know a, I'm friends with a very high-ranking person who goes to a lot of important meetings right now, that's all I can say, but... He mentioned last night to us, me and my husband, that um, unhealthy people are really getting hurt by the virus. And so what can we do? What can we control? Our health. We need to control our health. And our health is not just physical. It's mental, spiritual, and physical. It's always been connected. And we have to attack it at all of those, in all three ways. And that's what we need to pass down and, and even show our children. Um, that we need to we need to pursue whole health right now. That's that's key for us right now for survival. Um, so I think that's all I wanted to share. Three things I hope that will come out of this time. One, I hope we discover the gift of unbusyness. I hope we discover the gift of family and time together. I know it's hard as a former homeschool dropout. Um, <laughs> we can do this, guys. Let's discover the gifts. And then two, I hope we come together in unity as families and communities and as a country and globally to help each other. My dear Fred Rogers, you know, he's famous for his mom saying, look for the helpers. Let's be the helpers. Let's be the helpers. And the way we can do that is be healthy first, right? And then um, lastly, I just pray that and hope that we all have a new awareness of, of whole health as it pertains um, to the prevention of disease. And if I can be okay, you can be okay. And I hope that encourages you. And I didn't go over time. Thanks, Meredith. <laughs> you are fine. You're fine. So before you, before you go, tell us about your book, your children's book. Cause I think, I think we've got a lot of parents and this is going to go on the podcast. So I want everyone to know. <laughs> uh, what you mean this whole thing? 
that old days. When did you actually get the the official proof copies? Just recently, right? Yes, I did. This is my picture book. Comes out April seventh, wherever books are sold. Um, it's a story about kindness, and Amira is actually my daughter's name. She's the main character. When she says mean, yucky words, she tastes yucky things like dirt and um, when she says kind words, she tastes sweet things like candy and fruit. And um, I think kids will eat it up. That's my first book. My second book, Catching Thoughts, is about what I talked about, mental health. And that's in August. So thanks for being so supportive, Meredith. You're so sweet. Oh, absolutely. So taste your words. Bonnie, post the link to it in the chat, please. Thank and you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's such a great story. Thank you, Bonnie, for sharing. And um, I wanted to ask Thomas to come on too, because we spoke on the podcast. I was on his podcast and he was on my podcast recently. And we just had such a great time. He's a lot of fun and positive. And I thought he could share some comforting words for us during this time as well. And then after that, we'll open it up for anyone that wants to talk, because I love hearing from all of you. And I don't, and don't look at Todd's background. That is not me as a baby. That is not me as a baby. <laughs> I don't know what baby that is. He talks to my mother and that's how he gets those things. Okay, <laughs> go ahead, Thomas. Let's, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you so much um, for sharing that and just opening up and being vulnerable and being brave. Um, that's, that is what I believe inspires others. Um, and when they can see themselves in you and I can see myself in part of what you shared, uh, it encourages me and it, it gives me more, uh, strength to move forward and do what I'm here to do. So I honor you and I thank you for that. That was beautiful. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you, Meredith. Uh, Thanks for allowing me some space here. You know, Bonnie, you said some great things there. Um, for those that don't know me, uh, I am a financial advisor. I've been in the markets and in the investment world for two decades now. So this is like the best time of life for me, isn't it? I get to watch right. just sheer panic every day happen in my business. And uh, I've been through this three times now, and I'm amazed at how calm I am right now through all of this. Uh, the previous 2008, I was living off of three hours of sleep and going through all sorts of news channels. Right now, I don't even check the news feed, really. I'm just like, this is what it is. How can I be a stand for others to find strength is the question I ask myself every day, not how can I change anything because I can't, right? I can't. So. Uh, the other thing I'm doing is I'm actually in training to be a unity minister. So I'm in my first year of ministerial studies with unity worldwide ministries. And, uh, I, you know, I was a rock musician earlier. I had a drug addiction at one point in my life. Uh, I've been through, you know, ego maniac ideas of how I should control the world and have all the money. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through various stages of insanity, as I like to call it. And, and I'm grateful for all of them because it brought me here and it has allowed me to see what's possible for my life. Uh, and so what you said, Bonnie, you know, about unity, as soon as you said together in unity, I was like, oh yeah, I'm in, I'm like, that's, 
you know, in the world of unity, we are all one. There's only one power, one source in the universe, and we can all, we can all adapt that into our lives and share it together. So that was, that was music to my ears. Whole health, um, you know, as a spiritual, as working my way to spiritual counseling, which is what I'll be doing, I, I thought I'd share the def definition of what we have for spiritual counseling. Spiritual counseling is the use of spiritual resources for the purpose of empowering people to heal perceived brokenness and to grow toward the experience of wholeness. And I can't think of a better thing to do with my life than to work in that uh, field and to bring it into the money conversation because money for so many people is this broken thing. They don't understand it. They don't open statements. They're fearful of it. And I know so much about it, but there's really nobody in my field that I feel is taking it in a spiritual context and, and working with people to heal that perceived brokenness around money, which comes from stories that were created, usually when we're younger. You know, you hear things like, I can't afford that, or, or we can't afford that, or we're too broke, or, you know, we don't have the money. You adopt those things, and then we tell ourselves those stories. And guess what? What we tell ourselves actually ends up showing up in our lives, right? So how can we rewrite those stories? How can we change those thinkings? And Bonnie, you touched on that with, uh, with uh, neuroplasticity and cognitive dissonance. And that, that is exactly what I believe is required, is we need to train ourselves and take responsibility for ourselves. And, you know, the, the Toltecs, if you've read um, uh, The Four Agreements, you know, the Toltecs from ancient, uh, uh, ancient Mexico or Mayan, I'm not really sure how far back they go. I, didn't, I never researched it, but he talks about the Toltecs in that book and the, the story or the, the story of the earth, right? The dream that we have here, the dream of the planet, as I think the exact words he uses. And we get taught the dream of the planet as we grow up through all of it. I'm not saying it's good or bad. So this isn't a good or bad conversation. It's that we just get taught this dream of the planet. And then we try to go find our way in the world with that. And it might be working against the very person that we are. You know, uh, for, for those of you out there that have kids you'll, and, and, or have grandkids or experienced children right now, when I look at my teenage twin daughters, when they're just doing, they're beautiful beings. There's nobody telling them how they have to act or how they have to be. They're just being their creative genius self. And I believe the more that we can allow people the space to do that, the freer we all will be. And we'll all, we're, we naturally want to assist. I mean, look at this. Look at Meredith. Look at this group of people here that have come together just like that to, to be with each other, to support, and then to ask the question, how can we go out and serve others? That's who we are, I believe. Um, and so I guess it, it, if I were to, you know, kind of bring this to, uh, something I would want to share the story of, um, Myrtle Fillmore. So the new thought movement, which is part of unity, uh, started in the late 1890s and Myrtle and Charles Fillmore founded unity and it was never intended to be a church. So they, uh, Myrtle was 40 something years of age at that time. And she realized she had this epiphany. She had tuberculosis, which in 1890 was pretty much you were gone. You weren't going to live because doctors carried a little black bag and they had a saw and uh, some leeches 
and a hammer, right? And <laughs> it's like, if, if the leeches can't get, get it fixed, we're going to cut it off, right? Like that was pretty much what they were doing back then. So you weren't really, you didn't have a lot of faith in the medical system uh, back then. So people were always looking for new ways to try to heal. She had this epiphany that an earthworm, and I love this, the earthworm only has the intelligence to create an earthworm. That's all it can do. Whereas I have this intelligence that created all of this. And if I have that kind of intelligence, I must have the intelligence to heal it. And so she began a daily process of, first of all, asking forgiveness from all of her body parts for thinking that they were sickly and unhealthy and not good. So the first part that she did was she, th she asked them all to forgive her for thinking of them in that way. And then she affirmed their greatness. And she began to speak to them on how great they were and how blessed she was to have these body parts. And through that process, over time, she began to heal until she completely eliminated tuberculosis from her body. Now what happened is her husband had some other ailments, Charles, and he did the same thing. And then people saw this and they were like, what are you doing? And so they began to teach this practice of, and a lot of it is based on, on Christian, uh, um, or sort I, I guess the New Testament, a lot of it based, is based on the healing practice of Jesus. But Jesus is seen as the example, not the exception in unity. He's seen as this, you know, these things in greater shall you do. And so they took that to mean that if he can do these things, we must have that power as well to do that. And that was it. That's what unity started as. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like the kind of person that I am, I was like, I, I think that's pretty cool. So I started going. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I think I want to be a minister. Now, you know, three and a half years ago, I didn't go to a church. I believed in the Star Wars theme. You know, we had the Dark Force. And we had the force of good. And I was on the force of good side, but that was as much spirituality as I required. Whereas my wife was a Marianne Williamson fan. And she brought home A Course in Miracles. And it kind of inched its way towards me. And I opened it up one day and I started to read it. And on page four, I had this epiphany that I had collapsed spiritual teachings and religious dogma into one and made them both wrong. And they're not the same thing. And that was the opening. That was all, you know, as I like to say now, that was all that spirit needed to get inside and start working on me to see what I could possibly do with my life. And that's it. I started to go to Unity and boom, here we are. And thank you for allowing me some time. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, Thomas. Okay, so tell everyone where they can find you because you have some great stuff on social and you've got a podcast. So plug it. Let's hear it. <laughs> All right. So I have uh, two podcasts. I have one called the Bloom Living Podcast, which Meredith was on, which is all about talking to amazing people who have gone through amazing things and found themselves to still be amazing and doing great things in the world. And I love stories of people that, you know, sharing what they've experienced and how they've climbed to, you know, the, and, and when I look at the greatness, it's not about money. It's about their greatness. What are they doing in the world? that uh, fires them up. So that's the Bloom Living Podcast. And I've started another one called Conscious Cash, which is, I think I'm about nine episodes in. It's 10 to 15 minutes of me talking about 
starting to bring that consciousness conversation, that elevated consciousness into the money conversation and how can we start to empower ourselves to create, uh, you know, unfortunately to do really great things in the world, it requires money. That's just the way our system is built. And so I want to empower as many people that want to do great things in the world to have as much money as they need to do all the great things in the world that they want to do. And so that's, uh, that's that. And then I have a company called Bloom Strategies, B-L-O-O-M, strategies.com. And you can find all sorts of, uh, you can get links to our podcast there, et cetera. So thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. And that's, that's interesting. I always think like um, Tony Robbins is a good example. Like he's a billionaire and he feeds like a billion people a year or something. And, you know, it's so funny. You look at philanthropists and people that have a lot of money and they get such um, bad press for having a lot of money, but then you look at what they do with it. Like there's so many billionaires, millionaires who are giving tremendous amounts of money. And um, I always like to look at that when I see someone who's got a lot of money. I'm like, what, what's your you know, philanthropy? And it's usually pretty impressive. Like most people with money are quite generous and, um, and it, it does take some money to do big things. So I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the law of reciprocity, right? It's like, and then as you flow, so, you know, if we hold on to it and squeeze it and tighten it, it's like we restrict the flow, right? We actually have to allow ourselves to lose that, that um, lack consciousness or that feeling like I'm never going to get it again. It's not going to show up. It's actually in the releasing of that, that we allow the space for more to come back in so that we can let it go. That's, you know, that's like love, Right. We've just tried to hoard all the love to ourselves. What would that look like? It's we got to share. We got to share love in order to get more love. That's it's they kind of work the same. They're energies. So yeah, yeah, and it's true that when you have when you feel like you have nothing to give um, money or to give resources to someone who needs it more, it, it always comes back. And that's not the the reason to give. But I mean, every time it, it's it's shown up in another way. And I mean, it's shown up in in and un, I've, just, I've just been so shocked. Like I'll share this example and then I'll open it up. But I received a card in the mail two weeks ago and it, it looked like a Christmas card because it had a Christmas stamp on it. And I thought, oh, well, this, how did this just now get here? You know, stupid post office, whatever. Um, and I opened it up and it had, it was a note from a woman who said, I don't tithe to churches. I tithe to people who inspire me. And I read your book and I wanted to, and it had cash in it in an envelope with a card. I was like, where is, it was $200 cash from this person who wanted to tithe to me for my book. And I thought I was flabbergasted for so many reasons. No one's ever sent me cash other than my grandparents and they're both dead. And so, um, but it was the most impactful thing. And with that cash, I thought I'm going to get a massage uh, because <laughs> I, I needed a massage. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to hang on to this cash until I feel like I can do something to honor it. And what I chose to do was to pay the individuals that I usually have to help me around, you know, the house or whatever. We, get, we have house cleaners during this time where they're not able to come. And so I've been able to do that and, and it feels so good because it was an unexpected gift in the first place, right? And it, it just felt good to let that flow in and accept the gift and then let it flow out. 
And um, it, I, just, I don't know. I just thought that was the craziest story. And so if you're ever wondering how to make an author feel like completely out of words, <laughs> write them a card and put cash in it. There you go. <laughs> There's your tip for the day. But um, thank you so much for sharing, Thomas and Bonnie, of mm -hmm. course. So if anyone would like to share, I would love to hear um, just how y'all are doing. That's the point of this. I know some people are stuck at home and all you gotta do is wave your hand and um, I will and just ignore the one who's posting backgrounds on, <laughs> on the Zoom meeting. <laughs> oh, you have too much time on your hands. <laughs> Literally, right? Literally. All right, because of that, I'm gonna have you share. <laughs> I can't unmute you, you're permanently muted. What do you want me to share about? I don't know, what's been going on? How's, how, how are the kids doing with uh, virtual learning? What are the challenges and how are you facing them head on? So the struggle right now is having teleconferences for the kids scheduled at the same time. So that's been interesting. Um, I've decided like get them logged in and let them go their separate ways. Um, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything else, Mayor. <laughs> well, you've been super helpful. Oh, well, no, I'll here's something interesting to share with you. So I know you've been giving me a hard time about going to the gym every day, right? During this whole thing. And I have to admit that, like, I know it's crazy, but, like, that was kind of, like, the thing that gave me hope. You know, that's, that was, like, my last thing that I could hang on to for normalcy. So it was, it was a great feeling to be able to do that. And now that that's gone, it's, it's a, an adjustment mentally. Because, I mean, it's just a simple thing, but it was something that gave me normalcy throughout the day, like day to day. So I know it's, it's, it's a weird feeling now. And that goes to what yesterday Dr. Robin talked about briefly when she said we've got to find our new rhythm, that rhythm equals resiliency. And I agree because I gave up the gym, I guess, six days ago. And um, when I just, Massachusetts locked down, when they, when they closed the restaurants, I was like, okay, I'm done with the gym, even though I was wearing gloves the last day I was there. <laughs> um, I literally had on purple surgical gloves. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I just need to go home. Um, but finding that rhythm, and, and it took me a few days too, because I like to lift heavy weights and I like to you know, and I just don't have a lot of heavyweights here, but it's been fine. You just, and I think like what Thomas said with money, this is about letting our lives flow as well. And how can we let our whole health flow and, and, um, accept the new normal that this is. And someone posted, one of my friends on Facebook kind of posted a, a fussy post about how people don't understand, you know, everyone's telling us to calm down and use this time to slow down and enjoy our children. And, but some of us are fighting for our jobs and some of us have lost our jobs. And I thought, yes, that is, that is very true. But also what is true <laughs> is our perception guides our reality. And if you're going to focus on the fact that you're fighting for your job, versus the fact that a you still have a job <laughs> b here at least have no commute now <laughs> where you can work two more hours a day on your job i mean there's a there are positives anywhere and you know what the, the when i was um a lawyer and i had two kids under two and i would have to work from home and that was and i also had a drinking problem and those times were really hard 
I could never find the positive. But looking back, now that I've done that corporate life, I've done the work from home corporate life, I've done this, whatever this, <laughs> this current business life is, um, I, I can say it's all about the mindset and how I, I choose to look at it at any given moment, at any given moment. And so that would, that would be something um, I would just add to that. Lorraine, you've got your hand up. Okay, let me unmute you. Hey, good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, whatever time's on your end. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, at the very beginning of this thing and, and throughout this isolation thing, I have been uh, reflecting on um, just really using this time as a, as a reset. And I'm just simply grateful for this community. I uh, implore you to continue these uh, uh, daily. Uh, meet and greets uh at least monday through friday meredith they're they're beautiful uh, but um, that you know i'm in a, a mental space as all of us are here that we can see it for the reset that it is that um we have the ability to do that and uh, i'm hopeful that others will as well that's yeah. all i got this morning that's a that's a good point and that's not to say that we're not struggle you know no one is immune from struggle but um looking for the good and i and i don't mean like positive vibe tribe i don't mean like let's just be fakely positive because that's there is talk there is such a thing as toxic positivity it's not that it's like bonnie said hopeful grateful what are you hopeful if you can't be grateful which you can always find something to be grateful for whether it's coffee and the air you breathe um but what are you hopeful about i mean if you lost your job and your your finances are in the tank and you don't know how to get through then what are you hopeful for? You know, I think that's a great grounding place to start. And, and another thing I would add, and I, I texted a friend this morning about this, when the world is collapsing, when everyone is in the same boat, it's actually a somewhat better thing. And I, I don't know how to say that in a way that people aren't, aren't like, what? But, but think about it for a moment that people understand people are listening, the government and, and people that can help are helping. Um, musicians are doing free concerts on Instagram. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, but, but think about the understanding and, and I'm really seeing like a lot of people being super generous and, and it's, it's just a time to, to reset that too. And I think it's a reset for humanity and I'm, I'm hopeful, grateful for that as well so does anyone else want to share anything i would love it oh michelle hold on let me unmute you i think you're unmuted say something. can you hear me i can um i'm new to the group and i finally got on zoom i'm so excited i'm 62 years old i'm a semi-retired nurse and i work for a major uh healthcare institution in chicago i live in the chicago suburbs and I got a text last night that they have cleared the hospital out and um, are anxiously hopeful that they don't get a huge influx of people. And if they do, then I'm on call to go in um, and help out. I'm, I'm not sure what my role will be. I usually work in cardiology. Um, I'm a widow. And I'm also a triathlete, although my picture looks horrible on this thing. I'm like, oh my God, I look awful. No, none of that, none of that. <laughs> anyway, but I just wanted to introduce myself. 
I don't have an alcohol or drug problem. However, I do, I was a smoker and um, I do have anxiety problems. I've been having a hard time sleeping. Um, I have a family member who is just diagnosed with breast cancer and she's beginning chemotherapy on Monday. And um, I'm worried for her and her husband. So, uh, you know, this, because obviously she's going to become immunosuppressed. But I do have an anxiety problem, so I can relate to all of you. And the hopeful, grateful helps me a lot. And um, as far as grounding, I feel like I'm trying to get grounded and not uh, worry so much. And as your one guest said, let it flow. You know, just um, I'm trying to organize my thoughts and I'm having a really difficult time. So that's me. Nice to finally meet you, Meredith. To meet you too. And you know, I think the, the first step is, is awareness is like, Hey, my thoughts are, are everywhere. Like with, and, and I, and getting off the autopilot and, and so many of us are stuck on the autopilot. So the fact that you just spoke and you said, my thoughts are, the, that is naming it. And when we name something, we can then begin to work on it. And, and so that's, that's fantastic. And I, I wish you health and, and safety if you've got to go in and, just like everyone else who's not working from home and is out there braving the world. So thank you for that, Michelle. All right, well, we're coming up on an hour, so I'm gonna read this one thing and then we'll release y'all into the wild for another wonderful day. Remember, each individual has a choice. You are always the one in control. The cause of the irritation or the notion that something is bad, that comes from us from our labels or our expectations. Just as easily, we can change those labels. We can change our entitlement and decide to accept and love what's happening around us. And this wisdom has been repeated and independently discovered in every century and every country since time began. And again, that's Daily Stoic. I love that book. <laughs> um, Ryan Holiday needs to give me a affiliate code at this point, I think. Well, thank you all for joining. I may, I may continue to do these through the weekend. I was only going to do them for a week, but I honestly can't see how I can stop now because you guys are a great lifeline for me. And I think this is helpful for a lot of people as well. So um, look for the times um, I may do some this weekend. And then, um, oh yeah, Beth asked if it's possible to have a running resource section. Yeah, I'm trying to think about where to put that. Um, but a lot of people have asked for that. So um, I will get on that too, but keep uh, following on social media for when we do the next ones. And thank you so much for your participation. I appreciate appreciate you all. Thanks. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Same Twenty Four Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.